to Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Black Light listeners. Welcome back to another show. Thinking about uh, what was it, a uh, rape, statutory rape? Uh, indecent liberties with a minor. Yeah, indecent liberties, which is like 65%. Basis on it, you know, some people we have a relationship that's close to age, and the parents get involved out of anger and won't get people only convicted as a rest of the sex offenders or they can fix it. They, they just get their freedom taken, man, off of the floor crowd, you know what I'm saying? But today, like your man explained that, especially through school years. dive into that a little deeper because I mean we all been in relationships being young and a lot of us have dated people that were older than us um, and so I'm sure when we were indulging in those relationships that we wasn't thinking about oh well this person can get in trouble for indecent liberties with a minor or statutory rape and so that's what happened with this guy like you know he was with somebody that was a few years younger than him, not much. Um, and her mom approved of him. Her mom gave her the blessings and gave him the blessings that it was okay for them to be together. And he was actually staying with her, but situations arise when... Right. You know, situations arise when the police are called. Stay. Approve me to stay with you. <laughs> yeah, so... Somehow, you know, police were called to the house stating that there was a break-in at the house he was staying with the girl and her, her mom and step-parent. And then when they got there, he was able to prove that it wasn't a break-in. So evidently, they got mad that I guess they got called to a call uh, with information that wasn't true and decided to dig a little deeper and somehow went through his phone and saw messages and... Wow, that's where he. That's how he got his charge. Um, they saw that it was with the underage, and decided to charge him with indecent liberties with a minor. And that's just wild how it goes from a breaking and entering to we're gonna find something to charge you with and charge him with that. So now he has to register as a sex offender, which is is difficult. Um, I think he said he did like two or three years, got out, um, and, but you'll hear the story, um, but got out and then I'm thinking he went back because he wasn't able to find somewhere to stay to register. And that is one thing that the registry does. It it stops you from being able to have somewhere to lay your head as well as if you have children and he has a daughter. And so most landlords don't want people with those kind of charges on their property. That's like really messed up, like especially when you're not even that type of person. Like you gotta carry that title on your name and then you will be judged on the spot going in different places or different communities, they just looking at you like you're just such a terrible person and that ain't even half the story. Like I just feel like the a lot of people that's in a situation like that, it should be some type of program that relinquishes such title and you can get a second chance, especially if it's proven that they're, they don't have the capability to be dealing with minors or trying to do 
these sexual acts with just minors. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like history right here. <laughs> we went to school together. I stayed with you and your mom, and your mom accepted me in the house as, as family because ain't no mama about to just let nobody stay in their house if they have a food. You know what I'm saying? I'm just some type of, just a little bit, even if, even if it ain't all the way to school, mothers are still going to let, not let you stay in the house unless you're a school or something. So it had to be, he had to be like in somewhat more fashion. You know what I'm saying? And she knew it ain't. So it wasn't like it's a secret or I don't, I didn't know this man. I don't know how old he was. He showed me a fake ID type stuff. She, they knew this man. You know what I'm saying? But you know what's crazy? is that the girl herself tried to make a statement saying that, you know, it wasn't like that. Basically, it was consensual. They were in a relationship. And don't you know, because she wouldn't say the opposite, they said that her statements were inadmissible? Which is like coercion, right? Ain't that like entrapment? Well, my thing is you can't say that the victim's statements are inadmissible in court. And for those of you that don't know court language or legal language, inadmissible means it is not allowed in court. Admissible means they allow the evidence in court. Inadmissible means they don't allow. So they would not allow her statement to the jury to be heard because she didn't want to say that it was not consensual because she didn't want to say that, you know, he was basically with her without her consent and they were actually in a relationship. That's crazy that you won't use supposedly the victim's statement because she's not agreeing yeah, with what the state wants her to say. Right. Yeah, this is the victim testifying. Supposed to be victim. Because she's not really a victim. She said that, you know, they were in a relationship. Yeah. It was consensual if it did happen. So, I mean, they don't even know if anything happened just because you find sexual text messages doesn't necessarily mean they had sex. Right. But still at the end, still at the end of the day she was still claiming that that's my boyfriend. And mom said it was cool. Mom was mom said he was a good dude. So <laughs> Yeah. It was like it wasn't like he was eighty years older than her. You know what I'm saying? This is about like I'm thirty and she's sixteen. This was not that case. Well, I've been in that situation. So I, I've been in that situation where my kid's father is older than me, and we were caught at a university pastime, co-ed time that we were supposed to be there. And so they took us to the police department, and they called my mom, and they were really trying, and I mean trying their best to talk my mom into pressing charges because he was older than me, and I was, I think, 14. And she said no. She kept saying no. Like, they even harassed my brother who was going to that school at the time because he said, he was like, I'm cool with it. Like, it ain't it ain't a big deal. Like, it's not that serious. Like, I'm, I see my sister. She good. You know what I'm saying? Like, they will try to coerce you into thinking what is going on is bad and make you make a statement if you let them coerce you. Yeah, it's coercion. Right. I done seen that with women, too. Like, they done try to get younger guys. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get women like that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, some people say that people doesn't doesn't really know, doesn't really can't make conscious adult decisions at the age of 14, 15, but you would charge a person at the age of 15 as an adult. So which one is it? Because if you can charge me as an adult at 16, that means you're saying that I am an adult when I made this, did this crime that I really knew what I was aware of what I was doing and I made an adult situation. But you would charge a person being with a minor at 16, saying they cousin with somebody at 16, and you ready to charge them. But you would charge them as an adult at 16. Right. Uh, that's just like totally backwards. That means that's how you know the system is really based off of convictions. And if you were against it, as the victim that the state is on the defense for, and if you don't comply with what they're trying to do to convict, to convict the, the suspect, then they're going to get you. 
or they don't want to part. I mean, because it's the same way with domestic yeah. violence victims. Like, I was one of them. And I'm like, I don't want to testify because, for one, like, when you testify, it makes them angry. You know what I'm saying? She's like, oh, well, if you don't testify, you don't come to court, we're going to drop the charges. Or basically try to make me testify. And I'm like, that don't even make sense. Like, you're putting people's lives in more danger by having them get up there and testify. You can do a deposition. You can have a deposition and have it recorded and have them speak and play the recording in the courtroom. You don't have to have them up there in court testifying. You know how many how many women have gotten killed on domestic violence, restraining orders, going to testify at court? Like, make it make sense. And you're in the same courtroom with the person that just tried to kill you. And you think that's not going to make them even more, more upset? Like, it don't even make sense. When your officer told me to go get the restraining order, but if I don't come testify, then you're going to drop the charges. That's like a, a really messed up situation to be in because if it's with like a baby daddy and y'all is having a dispute, it's a, it's a calm the situation down to alleviate, alleviate a situation to separate and you would get that restraining order. But it's not, the time is not needed to take assault on the female that far. You can just take it and put a restraining order for what it is. We don't have to go that far. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There would be enough pressure. You know what I'm saying? But they want to take it to pick it up real quick. I'll be right back. I'm going to call right back. Yeah, we back. And um, I was just saying, like, sometimes the restraining order is like enough for that situation because everybody has a warrant their baby daddy to be to that length. It might be angry enough to do that because no no man should be beating on a woman no way. You shouldn't be taking it that far, no way. But sometimes when reality hits and it is what it is, it just don't need to be all the way. It's what the kids say sometimes. Well I didn't take no no restraining order out. I mean he went to court. It was forced though. Well no. The way they didn't even do that. They just wanted me to come to court and testify, and I did. I went to court, and what I did was I, t- I talked to the DA. I ain't going to testify. I pulled the DA aside the day of the court, and I said, listen, let me talk to you. And he said, all right, yes, ma'am. Took me in the back. I said, this is what I want to happen. He was like, well, what What do you feel comfortable with? And he's like, you want jail time? And I'm like, no, sir. I don't want jail time. I was like, what is jail time going to do? I said, what I want is him to have a mental health evaluation and do community service and make him get some help. That is what's going to work. Not taking somebody to jail, making it worse. No, like alternatives to incarceration, y'all, is what we need to aim for. And that was the alternative that I chose. And the DA went along with it. Like, what else can you say? No, I don't want somebody to go to jail. That's not going to fix the problem. They need some mental health. Yeah. <laughs> the interview was really good. Like, you know, kids did his thing and asked Also, female did too in school. So I can imagine she going to school and they talking crap. You know what I'm saying? And he getting shamed in prison because in prison, when you got that title as a sex offender, knowing that you, well, put like this if you got this title as a charge dealing with a minor, a kid, period, they're going to call you an Amy J. Or they're gonna call you a chomo, and a chomo would be, you know, a child molester or Amy Jane. You got that coming in prison, like yo, that's a whole other world living for you. It ain't cool. You ain't about to be. It's not about to be a, a cool trip because gang members, even religious groups, are going to really come at you disrespectful. And they want to take the shoe, they want to extort you, they want to beat you up. But they think about their kids, they think about their 12 year old, they think about their 14 year old, they think about their 15 year old. They think about you being on the street with their 14, 15, 13 year old. So they want to beat you. 
like straight up, like they don't think that you deserve to be peaceful in prison. They will make your time as hard as possible that they can. So even if you're innocent, like by the time everybody knows your real situation, according to your motion of discovery, which not times they they gotta pass that around. And whoever get cool with who, that's who's gonna spread the word. Oh my, my, go straight, man. It's just, and it's you know, the situation was messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what it's gonna take. But that's probably like a year later. That's after you done been to four or five different prisons. You know what I'm saying? It take uh, over time for a person to get some relief if he a stand up guy, a real person come from the street of society and they got done wrong. But it's bad. I mean, it's like literally bad to have ABJ or a chobo on your game or you have a statutory rape or stuff like that saying, yo, you was not living good, straight up. You are preyed on. They come in, I'm telling you, because people are looking at the uh, charge, like, when we say looking at the charge, they're looking at the inmate uh, registry that everybody uh, resonated on on the word bomb. So besides your name, is going to be your charge and your time, what you in here for. So don't let a CO not like you. Or you don't cuss the CO out. You know what the CO gonna do, right? Oh man, that's a chomo right there. Mm-hmm, that's that's an right. Amy J. And once they put that out there, it, that's like gold. Like you can't even if the CO say that's what it is or what they person locked up for. Oh, it's old for you. It's old for you you about to you about to see if you're a man. <laughs> you really about to see if you're a man. Like, for real, it don't matter who you is, how big you is, how many fights you don't want in your life, how many people you don't stab in prison. They don't, they're, they don't even mean that. It, 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 it's how it does. But there's always somebody that can trump you. Like, I, I learned that a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? There's always somebody bigger or meaner or violent than you are. Or somebody smarter or somebody cleverer than you are. So there's no point in trying to be, trying to outdo the next man. The best option is the most sociable and balanced guy for you to be the most reasonable dude. The most reasonable dude in prison is the one that's going to have the most faith. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's me. I'm trying to help people, soothe myself. I'm just trying to bring good energy to the table. I'm trying to outdo nobody and nothing like that. I'm locked up for murder, a crime I didn't even do. So that's why I'm focused right there. Of course, I know how I feel to be here. I'm one of them. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not mm-hmm. being looked at as if I'm a killer. You know what I'm saying? Right. So they're going to look at you as a killer when you're trying to be that thing. You can't do that. Eventually, it's going to get old. You're going to have to move to the next, to the next level of uh, adult shit. I ain't going to say men, meaningless because women locked up too. You have to be adult about your situation and about how you see yourself around others. And you just you just really gotta grow up. Sometimes if you in here this is where you need to start right now before you get out. For real, because you're gonna be doing the same thing and somebody that's gonna run the same thing. And I really do hope people enjoy this interview right here. It's kind of enlightened. Well, it's very lightning, and it kind of goes with the interview that I did last week with Amber, because Amber, and if you didn't hear that interview last week, please go check it out, but Amber does a lot of work in Connecticut around trying to end the registry because, or either change the laws, because, I mean, I know you have some people who feel like they should know, or a lot of people who feel like they should know if somebody did commit Um, a sexual crime against somebody, but you have to change those laws for the ones who aren't charged with that. Like they are falsely accused of that. Or if it was consensual and the state still made it like it wasn't consensual, it still needs to be a way that they don't have to register because if you really didn't do something like that, that heinous, then you shouldn't have to suffer. Like it's crazy. Like anybody could be charged with a sex crime and have to, register as an offender and it really tears up your life like what if you are the only surviving parent of a child and because you have to 
be on the registry list, you can't be in the same vicinity as your child. So what is your child supposed to do? That means the child go to CPS? Like, and that's no better place at all. No. I don't mean to cut you off, but didn't we just pass a law about we could be married when like 14 or something? No, they changed it at first. And that was my, that was another thing I think I said to you earlier. Like, how can you charge somebody with indecent liberties with a minor, especially if they you know, it was consensual and the parents know, how can you charge somebody but you're able to get married at the age of 14 in North Carolina until last year? Right. With parents' permission. So it's the same thing if your parents know you're having consensual sex with somebody older and they approve of it. I mean, because think about it, like, years ago in the 80s and the 70s, like, I know my grandma was married young. A lot of them got married at 14 and 15 and had kids at 14 and 15 and raised a whole household, and, and nobody said anything about it then, so I don't understand why now, unless it's not consensual, unless it's forced. Why now that so many people are being charged when you have evidence that it was consensual? Now, if it's not consensual, that's different. If somebody's forcing their stuff on you, that is different. That is very different. Right. Definitely. I'm pretty sure if it was consensual, the girl is going to speak that she feel like she was violated. Right. Especially she already know that she protected. You can't hurt her no more or she tell her no more. Or yeah. or you have cases where a lot of black men have been accused of raping a white woman and never even seen a white woman, been around a white woman or touched her. Oh, that's that that's some old cases. That's some cases that y'all gonna hear about on our next interview on the next on the next show about my man Ray, man. It is Ray. He's been down forty two years and his story. Is a whole nothing epidemic. It's a real. His story, I'm telling you, if if you don't get infuriated by his story and, and want to get inside and try to change the system, then I don't know what will. Because that story right there had me stressed after I done it. Because I'm just like, that is crazy how the state literally harms people and takes them out of society for decades. I mean, for decades. They don't have a lick of evidence. I don't see how they sleep at night. I don't. I don't see how you sleep at night knowing you didn't took somebody's life who did not even have the mental capacity to even function. That's uh. what I just be like. I I respect God's locked up right now. He's been locked up for 30 years. I've been, I respect God has been locked up 25 years because that's a life sentence. 25 years was considered a life sentence. It still is considered a life sentence, even though life, the hell is a hell. Listen, life is life. Listen. 25 years, two decades. Man, I don't care who you is, hell. five years of prison can be life. Like, just prison itself takes years okay. off of your life. Five years of prison can cause major mental health. But a 25 year sentence can cause a tremendous. Now, you know, touch, but 
coming on black light mass incarceration show if you don't mind telling the audience your name yeah my name is q or you call me quatre and then last name is alan all right q do you want to um tell our audience your story and how you became incarcerated and how you yeah, feel yeah, like the yeah. system is it's just not working for everybody yes definitely definitely well first off i gotta say that i'm uh, 29 years old I'm a young black male. I've been incarcerated roughly in and out from the time of uh, 19 years old. Uh, first started my incarceration period. Well, just reaching out, just leaving out of high school, really. I had a scholarship for a full sail university, a big school. And um, at that time, you know, I was pretty young and still trying to figure out what life was about, still learning my ins and outs. And um, I kind of was dealing with uh, uh, different things in my life, you know, what what my job will work, uh, my my field of career, my choices, things I want to do. I still had a pretty good group of friends that were, you know, close knit. So um, I was dealing with uh, a few females at the time, but this one female in particular I was dealing with, uh, I took a real liking to. She had actually helped me during my time, uh, my first actual uh, look at a felony, which which is which was a government charge. I had uh, got a job at. Macy's, and I had just graduated uh, high school, so my uh, my first real situation with a felony involvement was Macy's was a investment charge, and I had uh, ended up getting that, and my father, of course, at the time, he had already done some time, roughly over 14 years, he wasn't too happy with my situation. That being said, it definitely put me in a bind because I experienced jail for the first time, 19, well, 18, rather, but um, at that time, too, as well, I had to deal with the repercussions of that. And so with dealing with that, my dad really looked at it like, you know, man, you you had this opportunity on the table. Uh, school was a choice for you. All you had to do was just hold off and get yourself together, and you'd be going within the next year to a university. But uh, he just looked out. He just looked down upon it because he didn't know what to think about me or what the situation was at the time. So uh, I ended up catching that charge. And Let me ask you this. Do you, what, what made you actually, you know, I, I guess catch that charge? Like, was it just who you were hanging around or you just saw opportunity or? Really, I will be honest with you. It was, it was one or two things. I would say it wasn't where I was hanging around, but it was a moment of opportunity to hustle and like find my way. Because at that time, uh, you know, we was a thing or whatever. And I, I did my thing there, here and there, but. I was looking for a new ways, opportunity, advantages to find or create my niche and my hustle, figure out, make it better, or how could I sharpen my skills coming into the world and uh, make it a different avenue for myself. So really, it was just really solely with me, but an uh, older dude that was working there, he kind of put me on to the jug, and then from there on, it was kind of it was kind of up from there. But I, I took it upon myself to take it a step further. And it kind of got good, as they would say, you know, it got too good. Mm -hmm. And I kind of took myself a little bit too far. And so they came to me one day and was like, yeah, we need to talk to you. And so I kind of knew what it was, nervous. And I ended up letting them know, like, yeah, you know, it should happen. It was something I wouldn't do again. But at that time, what I extenuated was the situation was more than $1,000, which created a felony. So I'm thinking I'm about to just do a little slap on the wrist and end up being that I'm going to jail. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that definitely took flight on that. And then um, after that charge situation, kind of got rough because the bond that I had with my father, the connection I had with him, it was different. It was difficult because it was already uh, I was 16 when he first came home. So the bond that we had created, some of the things he had taught me, he was kind of disappointed in me, and I knew it. So with that being said, kind of like I had to find my own way, and it just didn't get no better from there because he kind of put me out. Mm -hmm. My mom at the time. She's a God-fearing woman, church-going woman. Uh, she didn't know most of the things that I was into because I wouldn't 
dare tell my mom at that time, like, you know, I was out smoking weed, this and that, doing certain things that she just really wouldn't approve of. Of course, my mom accepted me, but there are things I just didn't want to worry her with or worry her about. So I ended up being out in the streets, really. I ended up, you know, just trying to make my thing, do my thing, make my thing happen. The young lady had helped me on the street. She had helped me. She had, like, really taken me in, was speaking me in. And her sister, I graduated with her sister. But she was just like, look, I don't want you to be out here. I don't want you to be homeless. You know what I'm saying? I want you to try to do something with community college, get a job. You know, I did these things. I, I did try. I did make an effort. I ended up getting a job at McDonald's, trying to pay restitution back. But the weight was a little bit heavier than what we thought because uh, February 3rd of, like, 2014, actually, I had just turned about 20. I had been two years out of high school because I graduated in 2012. I ended up uh, getting arrested. And it was at her house. This is a black family. She's a black chick, you know what I'm saying? We were kind of in young love, if you will. But uh, at that time, though, she was uh, 15. And like I said, I was 19. Matter of fact, two months before that, I had just turned 20. So uh, with that being said, the police arrested us. I was in Raleigh. Well, she arrested me. They arrested me, matter of fact. I was in Raleigh. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what to say. A person was breaking and entering. But then when I proved it, I'm like, no, I wasn't breaking the internet. I was here. Somebody let me in. Uh, this wasn't what you think it was. They started looking deeper into it. And then they started trying to, you know, get my cell phone record, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Our situation wasn't crazy, but it was just the, the type of messages that we had between us. You know, they were like, well, we know there's some type of relationship there, this and that. And lo and behold, it ended up being, it ended up it being like a, a sexual act, like sexual thing. But we had known each other before I graduated through class, through school, stuff like that. So it wasn't like that to me, but the picture that was painted and what was being portrayed on their end, it was more so like, no, we know you did this because of uh, sexual gratification, and uh, we know that you're you're this type of monster. We know this is what's going on. And it kind of like threw me for a shell shock because here it is. I kind of was like working my way out of a hole. I was being honest. I kind of, uh, you know, her mother... My mother knew about the situation. She just kind of checked up on me, make sure I was doing right. You know what kind of what kind of lifestyle was I leading? I told her I had a job. She came to my job at McDonald's, but I wanted to get in community college and work my way up. I didn't feel like I was really ready for college outside the state, which that's where I got my scholarship at in Florida. But I just told her some of the things were on hold that I had going for me because I had suffered a, a small felony charge. And, you know what I'm saying? Like I even told uh, the chick that I was dealing with at the time the same thing. And, it's like things happen, you know, we want to look down on you for that. Just get back up, do your thing, get back in there, and, you know, try to beat this because you're better than that. Let me back up. So you said that you had met a chick, she was younger than you, and it was a situation yeah. where they thought that you broke into her house. So when you yeah. prove that you didn't break into the house, that you was let in or however you were let in, so they went from that to going through your phone to say that you had a sexual relationship with her? Yes, ma'am. They did. They did. Wow. And um, it was it was also, also what led to it, too, was the stepfather. It was crazy, man, because the stepfather, uh, he, had, he had kind of, like, pushed that agenda. Uh, it was a black male, too, an older black male. But he had kind of pushed for that agenda because he had said uh, he had been hearing about me and, and didn't know what was going on and, how he kind of put two and two together, and you know, it really wasn't that. It was, it was more so uh, the circumstances I was in and the situation I was in. Me being a young black man at the time, uh, the young lady I was dealing with, she was very smart, very well advanced, and she just didn't want to see me in any predicament or see me out in the streets. So she really cared more than that at that right. time. Yeah, she definitely did. She definitely did. With that being said, though, the way they came at me what they were saying and even they put it in the paper at the time because before I graduated I was I was high school homecoming king. I was pretty popular at the time. Uh, I went to I went to Leesville High School in Raleigh. Pretty smart student. You know what I'm saying? What too bad in my grade. So it was a big thing around that time because nobody kinda knew how to deal with this because it's something that you really don't see. And with the type of charge that it was and the type of person that I am it was just totally opposite of my character. So for me to sit there over like six to eight months to, you know, like my mom, she hearing about it, and then my grandmom and my dad, he didn't know really what to say. 
but you know, like he's still in my corner, but he just didn't know. Nobody knew how to handle it. Like nobody, and me, I'm just behind the wall trying to deal with the fact that, you know, I'm dealing with my whole situation. I've never been to, to jail for a long period of time, nor was I expecting to go to prison or suffer any type of serious charge from it because I was just honest in my situation. But in that situation, I felt like it was the best thing I could do. My mother had a conversation with me and was like, look, you know, if there's something that you need to say or you feel like there's something that's going to help you out in that type of situation, then you need to come forward because you being a young black male in that type of situation, my mom didn't know what to expect. Like, you know, nobody did. The young lady, she wrote on my behalf, said, said good things about me and, you know, all that stuff like that. But her statements were not admissible in court. She ended up turning 16 like Ho- later that year, Hold on. You, you said that they said that her statements were inadmissible when she was supposed to, well, she wasn't a victim, but in their eyes, she was supposed to be the victim, but then they're going to say that her statements are inadmissible because they weren't going to match up with what the state or what the detectives wanted her to say? Yes, ma'am. Correct. <laughs> that is exactly correct. Because oh, I remember being torn up about it. And there was an older guy I was, I was uh, in the block with, man, and he just kept praying for me. He was like, look, man, you're a young dude. Things like this happen all the time with young people. And he said, it's unfortunate it happened to you. But, um, you know, we were trying to figure out a way that something could happen or some type of relief could be, you know, put into play. And, you know, she did everything she could. They wouldn't even let her write me. I got in trouble for her writing me. You know, that was after I took my time for the embezzlement. I had to go back to the jail and uh, still fight this other case. It just wasn't good, man, because also, uh, even the perspective of me dealing with what I was dealing with behind the wall, her being so young and having to go back to the same school I graduated from, she dealt with a lot of hard things, too, that I was unaware of or didn't know about because, you know, people were saying bad things about her. You know, you got this guy caught up, or, you know, you didn't tell the truth, or, um, you know what I'm saying? Her being a young black woman in that predicament, uh, I know it wasn't any better for her because it was it was it was hard i know it was well i guess what i don't understand is you know just until maybe like last year year before last you were able to get married at the age of 14 in north carolina so i don't understand like that's just crazy how they went from because they couldn't prove a breaking and entering they tried to or basically tried to say that you or had statutory rape with this young lady and she's trying to tell them that's not what's going on and they are still hell-bent yeah. on trying to charge you and did. Yeah, yeah. So um, they ended up giving me somewhere roughly in between, like, a 25 to 28-month sentence with nine months post-release. So I did I did from that time, and they counted my jail time, too, all the way to, like, I want to say 22 years old. So I did about a little bit less than two years because I had good time. So I tried to work my way down. It's less than two years, but with a five-year probationary period. So really, I was under this supervision until like 25. So you what know, brought you back in? Um, really, the hardest thing being it, well, really, it wasn't anything um, new. It was just that situation dealing with it. It was a continuation of basically me being in that situation, which I got in decent liberties with a minor. Uh, it put me in a position to be able to have to register. So the thing that was I had to deal with the most was just stable housing. I could find jobs. You know, my work ethic was really good, and I was able to build and obtain an education and do certain things. But I was behind the wall to help me when I come out. But just being able to find somewhere with stable housing and then have somebody to understand or having to explain to a landlord like, you know, it's kind of difficult. It puts me in a, a setback. And, I mean, I was able to come home and, and do some good things. I have a daughter now. She's about to be five this year. But, you know, the, the mother the mother of my children and I, uh, some of the things and some of the difficulties that we were dealing with was stable housing. Like, she would find a good place. And then my PO would be like, no, it's not approved because it will be a thousand feet from somewhere. Or it's, it's not approved because... Um, the landlord is not comfortable with me being in the area, uh, the values, the property, the housing, stuff like that. Because one thing we always thought about was our financials. If we do have to get somewhere to stay, we always want people to, you know, be aware of what's going on in my situation. That way, when we're putting this money out or we're making financial decisions, it's not something that'll come 
and hit us like left field because we still have to maintain and function in society as well. Mm -hmm. So tell me, um, because I actually had a podcast interview uh, last week with um, a lady in Connecticut that works really close with people who have sexual crimes and they are actually currently working on trying to end the registry in Connecticut. Um, and so I'm glad that you brought that up because I want you to speak to the audience about how a sex offender registry can really do more harm than help. And I know that some people, you know, won't agree because they feel like we need that, but the ones who really shouldn't be on it, like, I don't feel like your case is one that you should be having to register as one of those, because that's not what happened. That's not, that's not it. Like that's totally different. Right. So tell us how this right. is really ruining not only your life, but your daughter and her mother's life. Yes. Um, so for one, I got to say that with the registry and involvement in that, it, it holds you back from one, from, from uh, powerful jobs, good jobs that have put somebody like my position who, you know, made a mistake and, it, and whatever happened, happened. You know what I'm saying? It, it puts a person in a negative position as, as well as society high because here it is, you know, I'm a black male. I, I have to explain my circumstance or my situation to people. And really, I put it in their hands for whether they accept it or not. And that right there, because I, I for one, I, I, I feel confident in myself. I'm fine with myself and I've had to work through a lot of things on my own, which I've been blessed to be able to and have a support system to do that. But somebody who might not be as fortunate as me with that kind of situation, it puts a damper on your 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 family life, even with having kids and being able to go to certain functions or deal with certain things as far as in your child's life. And just being able to be in the community or the neighborhood as a regular individual when you know that this is not the case for you or you're not that type of person, it really puts a damper on future advancement. And, you know, if there is advancement, you have to kind of fight a little bit harder than the average person because here it is every day you're waking to prove that you're not this person when from the jump you already knew you weren't this person, but you still have to constantly prove or be in the in like that kind of good light, so to speak, when it comes to anyone because now a person, especially if they know your situation, they're always looking for any sign or hint of, oh, well, you know, this guy is a sex offender and you didn't, did, did, oh, well, you know, this and that. And, I mean, really I've been blessed because in my situation, when I tell people that, the first thing they, they look at me and they say, whoa, like, I would never expected that. But then after, you know, maybe a month or two or a while of getting to know me, they're just like, man, did that really happen? Like, you know, they get to know my character. They get to know I'm a stand-up guy. I'm a regular human being like everybody else. You know, I have my ups, I have my downs, you know what I'm saying? But for the most part being, uh, when I tell my story, people are, are very shocked because the, the nature of the crime and what was said on my on my behalf, it definitely doesn't fit my description because of how I constantly work hard. I constantly put myself in that in that position to always be willing to learn and you know what I'm saying, just be able to be a service to whoever's around me and try to be there for people that are close to me. Right. And that's really important. Um, there is, I don't know yeah. if you know, but there's a nonprofit in North Carolina that actually works on that. It's called the North Carolina for Rational Sex Offense Laws. Um, I'm going to send that information to you so you could reach out to them and maybe, um, they could give you some help with some reentry when you do, or when you are released. They are a coalition that's currently working on trying to change the registry um, because that's very okay. important because I don't think people understand that anybody could be, you know, have to register under a, as a sex offender for something that is not as serious as they say. Um, and it does ruin right. people's lives and you can't really have a productive life, especially after incarceration. If you have to register as one of those, you know, as a sex offender, when yeah. you really, that's not what you are and that's not, you know, what happened. And so I think you for sharing that because that's, I don't think people understand how hard it is to live life, you know, when you are considered under that label. I mean, they have a book, you know, they have, they let people know when a sex offender is moving into um, the area. And like you said, a lot of times you can't even get housing. Like people with felonies can't get housing, let alone having that title as an offender, yeah. you know? And so I'm sorry that, 
you know, something so minor as a breaking and entering charge turned into uh, Indisa's liberty with a minor. Now, did her parents press charges or did the DA take it upon themselves or did they talk them into pressing charges? So this is this is what happened. I, I still remember my motion to this day because I, I don't want to lie to you. I cried about that thing because I was I was hurt. I was devastated. You know, at the time it was emotional. It was an emotional challenge for me to be able to reach, come over that barrier. But um, they ended up, the state ended up picking it up. And what had happened was my father had kind of reached out to her mother during the time when it was fresh. And what her mother said was, you know, in light of her her husband, which she ended up divorcing like six months after. I had caught my time, my goodness. She said basically that she stood, you know, with her husband in the decision that he had made. I guess later on it came out after I got my time that her husband was trying to do some things with the older sister and something had happened along those lines. That's why I ended up getting divorced. But mm-hmm. they ended up picking that up because of the stepfather's statement. It wasn't even her real father, but he had made a statement and the statement was pretty strong. Basically what he was saying was, and he had, and it was in my motion, he had stated that he had heard, uh, the night before I got caught in their house, he said that he had heard uh, sexual activity coming from that room. Which is crazy because the, 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 the one thing that we were kind of discussing, the older guy and I, he was like, well, he was like, I said, I wasn't even there the night before. I said, I, I wasn't nowhere around. And he said, well, he's an so If a man hears any type of, any sexual activity coming from anywhere, he's going to go check on it. And I was like, yeah, I know. So he was just like, well, why, why do you think he made that statement? I just said, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, to be honest, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what happened. I've, I've been in that situation before. My kid's father, my oldest kid's father is like six years older than me. And we got caught A&T in the dormitory and we weren't supposed to be there. We were there visiting some friends and we weren't supposed to be there after curfew hours. And so once they figured out how old I was and how old he was, they were trying to, like, they literally was trying to talk my mom into pressing charges. Like, they were really going hard. So I wouldn't be surprised if the detectives wasn't a reason why or the DA wasn't a reason why he made a statement that was probably false. Um, Because they will, you know, do their, their best to try to get them to press charges. And it's wild because... You know, he was a stepfather, so I don't understand why they didn't go with what her biological mother said and not her stepfather, because I have a stepfather, and he came. He came with my mom, but they were talking to my mom because my mom was my guardian. So that's crazy how right. they used the stepfather's um, statement and not the mom, because evidently the mom didn't want to press charges. Um, that's yeah, why. She had a neutral perspective. She had a neutral perspective, but it was just that the statement that her husband had already gave I felt, and, I, and somewhere in my heart, I felt like because she had already kind of, not uh, like, you know, at the time, she had kind of, like, gave me her blessing. Like, she came to my job. She, she met me, and, you know what I'm saying? She said, I, I, you're, you're a smart young man, and my daughter really likes you. So I, I knew that that was that kind of, you know what I'm saying? You know when mm-hmm. somebody's, like, making sure, like, okay, look, my daughter likes you. I want to make sure you're good for her. Yeah, yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? My daughter likes you. She's going to keep liking you. So we, we just don't make sure that, you know what I'm saying, you at least got your stuff together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I told her. I kept it real with her. You know, I didn't code it or nothing like that, you know. And she respected me even more for that because I just, you know, kept it real about my current situation at that time. So she really respected that and appreciated that. That's what's up. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't even know what, like, this... <laughs> It just goes to show you that North Carolina is crooked. Like, it is so crooked when it comes to black and brown communities and charging people with crimes that they did not commit. Like, they will go to no end length to try to prosecute something that's not there. And that that is crazy. Like, that's why I made this space for people to tell their story of the injustice that they are experiencing by the state. Like, the state is doing so much harm to people. It's not even funny. Wow. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And the crazy part about it is, after all that, like, the, the the young lady I was dealing with, you know, after I came home and after things kind of, like, blew over and settled down, I kind of was able to reach out to her, but things weren't the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, her number is still the same to this day, but her mind is totally different on a lot of things and some of the things she had to endure on her own. 
you know, with me being through prison, the kind of good boy image that I kind of had, I have a different perspective on a lot of things just because of what I had to endure and what I had to pick up on and had to learn on my own, you know, as a man, as a young man coming up in the system. But, you know, um, there, I, I know for a fact that things were different or could have, like, been any type of different. I know she would have done what she what she could have. But, you know, she always told me, uh, separately from that, that I always need to keep fighting because you never, she said, you never know when anything might change or be different for you in the situation. But she kind of accepted the fact that, you know, the system kind of took over in that situation. And in turn, it kind of crushed her because I know she loved me. She cared about me. She cared about me really deeply. And I, I kind of found out when I came home, but it was too late because she felt like the system had already got a hold of me. And I felt like and the system had kind of like put this perspective on her and her mind and, and kind of took the fight out of her, especially when she couldn't reach out to me or send me letters and she had to, like, you know, move on with her life, go to college and, right. you know, excel and do other other things, you know? Yeah. And that could have been the love of your life. You never know. You know what I mean? That could have been your soulmate because the state Man, took it. A lot of you. At, that time, at that time, she definitely, she definitely, we definitely had that, that strong black love. Like, it was, that was, that was something I'll never forget, even being 29. Like, we had a strong, definitely a strong connection. Like, even if we wouldn't have been together, we definitely still would have been. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Keep fighting. Don't stop yes, fighting. Ma'am. Keep fighting for your freedom and your yes, innocence. Ma'am. And I hope that your story yes. can get you some help and to I'll get you out. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And I tell my people to be on the lookout for this interview. And I support y'all 100%. Thank you so much for all the help and love and support. And y'all keep doing y'all thing too, man. We, we need all the help we can get. We got y'all. We're going to help as much as we can. Stay up. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Have a good one. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care. Remember, sign up for our new show. Sierra.